Most of us are familiar with the story of the, the boy who cried wolf. The, the tale is an Aesop's fable and an ancient story. And most of us learned it as children. In the story, there was a boy who is the shepherd of a village. Now, being a child shepherd left the boy in a, in a somewhat dangerous position due to wolves. The plan to face that, that danger was that if a wolf were to come along, the boy was not expected to fight the wolf off by himself, but instead to call for help. So the villagers could come to aid the boy and the sheep. You might think that this part of the job description meant that the job was exciting, but in point of fact, watching the sheep was often boring. And so the boy made a decision to spice up his job a little bit. As the story goes, one day, for his amusement, the boy started to run toward the village crying out, wolf, wolf, even though there was no wolf. As expected, all the villagers dropped what they were doing and ran to aid the boy, only to find the boy laughing hysterically at them when they arrived. Then, a few days later, the boy did it again. He cried out, wolf, wolf, even though there was no wolf. And the villagers ran to help, only to find themselves the butt of the joke once again. But then, one fateful day soon after, a wolf did come, and the boy cried out in terror, calling for aid. But having burned the villagers before, the villagers did not come to lend a hand this time, thinking that the boy was trying to trick them once again. And in the versions I heard as a kid, the wolf ate the sheep, and then the boy for good measure. The moral of the story is that those who lie won't be believed, even when they tell the truth. The Boy Who Cried Wolf is a, is a good story for children, because it's funny, but effective and memorable. A child can chuckle at the acts of the boy, but in turn be unsettled by the abandonment the boy experiences. It is a story that says that decisions matter, that integrity matters, that being truthful matters, at least in part out of one's own self-interest. It is a simple but compelling story about trust and being trustworthy. And the fact is, is that trust is foundational. We need trust. If human beings are going to thrive, then trust is, is an absolutely essential building block for relationships and groups. When we have trust in one another, then we're able to build on that trust and do new and exciting things. However, if there is no trust or if trust has been damaged, then the first order of business is to work on gaining or regaining that trust and repairing any harm that's been caused. Now think of a romantic relationship as an example. When it begins, when it begins, there is no trust. But if it's gonna grow into something more, then it's gonna take more than attraction. It's gonna even take more than love. To become something more, the relationship is going to need trust. Now, of course, we also know that the real world is not simple. Politicians cry wolf all the time, 
and they get elected and even reelected. Businesses analyze data to discover just how much they can cry wolf to better turn a profit. One of the great challenges of this time is that we have good reason to be skeptical about the trustworthiness of the powers that be. So many of our institutions and people in positions of authority have proven to be untrustworthy. And what makes this even more of a challenge is that to the minds of many, the alternatives don't seem to be any better or are only better by degree and not in kind. And yet this is not an entirely new problem for this untrustworthiness is a human predicament that transcends time and space. Some eras are better than others, but often human beings are deceitful and unscrupulous. For instance, if we turn to the Bible throughout the whole of the canon, again and again, we see people be untrustworthy. In fact, one of the common themes of the Bible is that human beings are so often untrustworthy and unfaithful. But the more important theme, and a theme that occurs again and again, is that while human beings are often untrustworthy, God is faithful, which is just another way of saying that God is trustworthy. From the very beginning of Genesis to the final verses of Revelation, the Bible tells us that God is worthy of trust. And when I turn my attention to this morning's lessons, I see this theme of trust woven through them all. In some ways, I, I could pick any of the lessons that we've heard this morning so that we could better see this theme of the trustworthiness of God. But let us turn to the gospel lesson, in part because it contains that most famous of verses, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. But really we shouldn't isolate this verse from the one that comes after. As John writes, indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, despite how thick and filled with meaning this whole passage of the Gospel of John is. These verses tell a story. The story is of God's love for a broken and desperate world. The word that we have translated here as world is actually the Greek word cosmos. So we're not just talking about the world as humanity that God loves, or even the world as planet Earth. Rather, the world that God loves here is the universe. It's everything. Which is to say, God so loved everything that God gives God's very self to and for this everything so that everything might share in eternal life, so that, that everything might be saved through God. This is a way of saying that the come what may, despite hardship and trial, despite tragedy and loss, despite estrangement, 
and even death. God loves God's creation. And this love that God has for creation and therefore for us, for you, is a saving love, a love that opens up into eternal life. Eternal life is not just something we live after we die, but eternal life is the life of God lived in us now, even today, as we consent to this life, as we say yes to this life, as we believe in this life, as we trust in this life, as we trust in God. We are to trust in God, which is another way of saying believe in God, because God loves us. And this love is a saving love. As Christians, we live into this trust by looking to live in relationship with Jesus, by following Jesus on his way of love. And as we follow, then we come to receive and realize the eternal life that is in Jesus, the eternal life that is the life of love that is the very heart of the Trinity. The eternal life we come to share in is the love that exists in the heart of God, the the eternal love, the eternal life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We come to know this eternal life and love as we come to trust in God. One might say that the gospel is about the new and transformed life that emerges as we learn to grow in trust of God. God is worthy of trust because God loves us. And this love is a liberating and life-giving love. And so, how does our life look as we begin to trust? If we step out in trust, can we become more and more free to live lives dedicated to justice and peace and transformation? If we gamble with trusting in God, Can we give in trust and share with others in trust, knowing that there is enough for everyone? As we trust in God, can we risk love, love for ourselves, love for our neighbor, and even love for our enemies? The invitation this morning is to trust in God For indeed, God is trustworthy, and our trust is foundational for it all. Amen.